this morning. Luke chapter number 16, we don't ask every week, but if you're able, if you would be standing for the reading of God's Word, we'll read this very well-known passage in the Bible. In Luke 16, we'll begin our reading in verse number 19. Luke 16 and 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died, and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died, and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead." We'll be turning our attention to a couple of these verses this morning. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we come into your presence this morning, and Lord, I ask for your help as we preach your word. We need you desperately. Lord, if there's anyone here today who is lost, who's never been saved, who has no assurance of salvation, may today be the day that, Lord, we see them get saved before it's eternally too late. And Lord, I also pray that this message would be an encouragement to those who are suffering. We pray and we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. And thank you for standing for the reading of God's Word. In America, data and studies have been done as far as what people believe nowadays. A vast majority of people from all religions believe in heaven. They believe in heaven because of what the Bible says. But a vast majority of Americans today want to cut this part out of the Bible and act as if it doesn't exist. Because it speaks of a place called hell, and people in America don't like to believe in a place of eternal punishment. You know, the Bible has some real good things to say about a great many issues. The Bible speaks of the truth about heaven and what a wonderful place it is. And even in this passage of Scripture, we get a glimpse of a place of perfect bliss and rest, which we'll get to in just a moment. 
But the Bible also speaks of a place called hell. In this passage of Scripture, the rich man died and he went there and he was tormented in a flame. The Bible describes hell as a place where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. The Bible describes hell as a place of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. The Bible describes hell as a bottomless pit. The Bible describes hell as a dark place. But in this passage of Scripture, the Lord is telling this story. And the story, you know, there's a lot of things we can focus on from this story. First of all, the Bible speaks of the story. The two main characters in the story in life was the rich man and Lazarus. Eventually, we're going to start speaking a little bit about Lazarus in this story. And I personally don't believe that this story was a parable. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. But never in the Bible was any person's name ever mentioned in any parable unless it's this one. And that's what gets me to think that this is not a parable. This is not a parable. This is the truth about what took place with the man who now is known as the rich man and this man whose name is Lazarus. And it is a story about one man who in life received nothing but good things. It starts by saying in verse 19, there was this rich man and he was clothed. It talks about his clothes. Now some of us, we have very nice clothes and many times we find that we've accumulated so many things. My family did a garage sale this last weekend. How many of you enjoy garage sales? How many of you do not like garage sales? Thank you. Me and you have a kindred spirit. Some of you ladies and some of you garage sailors, you know, I, I do enjoy, I guess, going. If, if I go by some house and I see that they've got some pleasant things out there, I, I don't mind to stop and see. You know, what they say that one man's junk is another man's treasure. And all I can say is I've got a lot of junk. And I also have a lot of clothes. And I've got so many clothes that sometimes you don't even wear them. I, I, I've lost some weight, thankfully, and some of the, the stuff that I used to wear doesn't fit me anymore. And why I keep it, I have no idea. But I got rid of a lot of things. But this rich man, the Bible talked about his clothes. Now, you couldn't have uh, purple clothing in Bible times unless you had a great deal of money. And this man had talked about his wardrobe. It said that he was clothed in purple and fine linen. And the Bible speaks of him faring sumptuously every day. This spoke about how he ate. Now listen, around here, if we're not eating, we're not meeting. You know, this is a Baptist church. You know, when, whenever we meet, we get to eat. And we had a great fish fry just a few weeks ago. We caught some fish. We caught some at Sam's Club. We caught some at Lake Texoma. We caught fish, my friends, and we ate like kings. And one thing that we do in this church is we like to eat. And this rich man, he liked to eat too. And the Bible says that he fared sumptuously every day. All I could tell you is when I grew up, we grew up on the other side of the tracks, if you will. We, we didn't always have a lot of money. There were years of our lives where we never knew what it was like to go out to eat. Back in those days in the late 70s when the, when the minimum wage was $3.15 an hour, I remember that there were some holiday meals that we had with peanut butter and crackers and a good old-fashioned peanut butter and jelly. Some of you don't know what that is. It's just a sandwich. You know, sometimes people call it a sandwich. You know, we didn't have all the, all the fixings that we had when, uh, that we have now. I don't know, I don't know that our children in, our, in this day and age actually understand what, what poverty is. 
But I, I grew up in, in abject poverty. My dad did everything he could to put food on the table. And it wasn't always a great meal. It wasn't always something that was expensive. It was so, many times it was nothing but frugal. I already told you that my parents lied to me and told me that I was eating juicy steak when they were feeding me liver and onions. And they, they'll have to answer to God for lying to me. And so when you talk about faring sumptuously, when I was a child, I did not fare sumptuously. And there were some times where we were in want. But God never forsook us. God always made sure that we had enough to eat, and we're thankful for that. But the Bible's talking about the, the chasm between how the rich man lived and how Lazarus lived. The Bible speaks to Lazarus' condition in verse number 20. It talked about him being a beggar. And he was, the Bible talks about him being laid at the gate of the rich man. I mean, when you're talking about someone laying him at the gate, someone had to physically carry him. He was weak. He was tired. He didn't have the strength to get up. And there were people who had compassion who thought that the best place where he would have the opportunity to have some help given to him was by laying him at the gate of the rich man where he just wanted to get some of the crumbs which fell off of his table. The Bible talked about dogs coming and licking his sore. I got a dog. His name is Charlie. He is a worthless dog. He barks at people who are my friends. He thinks he's a guard dog. He is not a guard dog. He's a cockapoo. He is, my family thinks he's cute. I think he's worthless. A few weeks ago, I was out mowing my lawn. And I, I ran into, uh, I, I ran into a, the mailbox that the neighbor had. I got my hand caught up under the mailbox and it tore a little piece of my skin. And, and old Charlie, he jumped up on my lap and he started licking that. You know, he's trying to bring healing to me. They say that there's healing in a dog's tongue. Never believe the things you hear. You have absolutely no idea that there's any healing in a dog's tongue. This morning, Brother Allen come to pick me up at the, at, at, the, at, at the airport this morning and he brought his trusty dog, Rusty. And I want to tell you something. Rusty's a good dog. Sometimes you'll find him in the church office around here on Mondays. Brother Allen's one of our trustees. He helps out around here. And Rusty's a good dog. Rusty will take care of Allen. You try to mess with Brother Allen, even play fighting with him, you're going to find you have an enemy. You say, what are you talking about? Well, what I'm talking about is sometimes a dog can be a good friend to you. I had a friend named Ed Drinkwine once. What a name for an independent Baptist. Ed Drinkwine. Old Ed came down with cancer. And uh, he, he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. He's in his 30s. That time I was working down at Joe Louis Arena in Detroit and throwing people out of the hockey games who'd get a little too lathered up. And Ed was a great hockey fan. And I, and I was able to get Ed to go down there. And, and uh, I, got, I got Ed to come to the hockey game and meet some of the Detroit Red Wings <clears throat> when they had a good, good hockey team. Ed died just a couple weeks after we took him down there. And at his funeral, his mother said that they just had a litter of puppies. And she wanted to give me my choice of the puppies uh, that came from this litter. It was, a, <clears throat> it was a Beagle Chihuahua mix. So we called it a Bee-Wawa or a Chew Eagle. All I can tell you is little, I, I got this little puppy. His name was Oscar. And Oscar was a good dog. I lived in a house that was connected to the church at the time, a parsonage. And when the door would open to the church from our living room, that dog was so obedient, he would sit there. And that dog became very close with me. 
on Saturdays if I'd watch college football, the dog would jump up in my lap and he'd lick me. Now my wife doesn't do dog licks, but I do. Now he doesn't, I don't let him kiss me in the face or nothing. You know, so some of you guys are thinking I'm running off the rails, but I'm just telling you, sometimes a dog can bring comfort to people. A dog was comforting Lazarus. Why do you think the Bible says that the dogs came and licked his sores? The closest friends that he had, maybe the only people that he felt that cared about him, he got more comfort from a dog than he got from the rich man. And Abraham reminded the rich man of that when, when this whole situation took place. The Bible doesn't say this. My sanctified imagination tells me that, hey, this rich man could care less about Lazarus. And now Abraham's reminded him, don't you remember in your life you had good things and he had evil things? We always, as God's people, ought to remember the poor. There are some people who are less fortunate than us and they're going through problems. We're going to get back into that. You know, this passage of scripture says a lot about several different things. I heard a preacher one time preach a message and he said, things in hell that we need in the church. (laughs) And he used uh, Luke chapter number 16 as a jumping off point. He said, you know, look at what you have in hell. The rich man's praying. He's praying to Abraham, but there was prayer in hell. There was somebody who had a a soul winning concern in, in hell. He said, send him to my brother's house. He didn't want his brothers to go there. Oh, that we would get some soul winning zeal and understand that our family members could be heading to a place like that. I want to tell you something, sir. I want to tell you something, man. If you ma'am, if you've got a if you've got a family member who died and went to hell, they don't want you to go there. It's a terrible place. It's a horrible place. It's a it's a place where people in, are incarcerated and they're burning. And it's a place of torment. It's not a place. You know, these songwriters, they say that they're on the highway to hell. And they act like hell's a place where people are going to go and they're going to have a big party. Let me tell you something, young people. You will not have a party if you go to hell. It's not a party down there. There's people who are suffering. It's weeping. It's wailing. It's gnashing of teeth. There's nothing glorious about going to hell. Don't go to hell from a Baptist church pew. Get saved. Jesus paid for all your sins. You don't have to go to hell. That's the the shame of the whole thing is that the rich man, even though he was rich, he didn't have to go to hell. He went to hell because he rejected the gospel. There was another pastor who was preaching about this and he preached from verse number 28. He said, For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And he said that he preached a message out of this passage of scripture called one in hell and five on the way. Pretty sad. You know what? You, you want to know how you're going to avoid having that kind of thing in your family? Get your family in the house. Get your family to the church house. You know what people need to hear in order to get saved? They need to hear preaching. They need to hear that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. We're not doing the world any favors by not telling them the truth about hell. Well, I'm afraid I'm going to run them off. Where are you going to run them off to? Hell number two? Where are we going to run people off by telling them the truth that when you wake up in eternity, if you're not saved, you don't go to heaven? Now, everybody, you know, some of these funeral directors, you know, know, they don't make their living by by telling the truth sometimes. But sometimes people, they, they live like the devil all their life and they expect that they're going to have a home in heaven when they die. I want to tell you this and I'm going to tell you as straight as I can tell you. The Bible says that few there be that find it. Straight is the way that leads to life eternal. And it's a narrow gate. You know, there's not a whole lot of people who are getting saved today. There's a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. Some people are on their way to hell and they're enjoying it. They're going to enjoy the whole way. And they're going to act like the Lord's their shepherd. I want to tell you something. Not everybody can say that the Lord is their shepherd. 
The Lord leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. They, they don't love the Lord. They don't love the Lord's people. They don't love his book. They don't love the things that the Lord loves. But somehow they've talked themselves into believing that when they die, they're going to a place called heaven. I want to tell you something. There's only one way to go to heaven. His name is Jesus Christ. You've got to take him as your Lord and Savior if you're going to get saved. God will change your life. He'll give you something new. There's a lot of messages to be preached out of this passage of Scripture. You know, if you, if you think about this coming to pass situation, and we're going to get to that in just a second. The Bible says that it came to pass. The Bible, all, it says this. It's something that we should all be reminded of, that it's appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. None of us are going to live forever. The Bible says that it came to pass in verse 22, first, that the beggar died. Now, people have some questions about this. You know, people have questions about how, why was uh, the beggar carried into Abraham's bosom? Where did people go when they died in the Old Testament? You know, and I don't have uh, a lot of time to deal with this this morning, but in the Old Testament, when people died, they went to a place that was called, I believe, paradise. Equal to that is Abraham's bosom. Okay, the Old Testament saints who died in faith, they died believing in the coming Messiah. They didn't know his name. Jesus' name was a secret. You know, there was a, an angel that appeared in the Old Testament. There's some theological names we can get into about that. They're Old Testament appearances of Christ. There was an angel that came down one time and he was telling this couple that they were going to have a child and his name was going to be Samson. And, they th- and, and, and Samson's daddy said, tell me what your name is. He said, why are you asking me something that's a secret? In Matthew chapter number 1, I believe it was the angel Gabriel who announced it to Mary. He said, he said you're going to have a son and you're going to call his name Jesus. And there was never a sweeter name that was ever given than the name of Jesus, the blessed, the precious name of Jesus. We thank the Lord for Jesus. By the way, young people, Jesus' name shouldn't be used as a curse word. That's a holy name. That's a high name. You don't say his name when you get angry. You don't take the Lord's name in vain. That is one of the Ten Commandments, you know. Thou shalt not take unto thee. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. That's in Exodus chapter number 20, roundabout verse number 4. Those are called the Ten Commandments not the ten suggestions. And if you're being raised by your television, you'd never even know that those things were sinful. But it is sinful to take the Lord's name in vain. And the Bible says that the Lord won't hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. So let that be a lesson to all of us as God's people. God wants us to hold his name in high regard in Jesus' name. The Bible said God gave Jesus a name that's above every name. And that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That name is the only name where we can be saved by. Peter said in Acts chapter number 4, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's a high and a holy name. That name is the only name that we get saved by. Amen. Jesus Christ. But it came to pass here, these folks died. The Bible talks about this Abraham's bosom. We'll get into that in a minute. The, the, the rich man, he died. He was, the Bible says he lifted up his eyes in hell. You know, if you die and go to hell, you don't forget who you are. You won't even forget this church service. Matter of fact, some people who die and go to hell were in a lot of church services. Even religious people die and go to hell. People who attend church die and go to hell. If you don't get saved, you don't go to heaven. 
you can hear a bunch of messages about the truth, but until you accept Christ as your Savior, you don't get saved. Just because you came to church doesn't mean that you got saved. Some people are trusting in the fact, hey, I came to church. I gave of my money in the offering plate. I did this. I did that. You don't get saved by what you do. You get saved by what he did. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. But the rich man, he died. He did not die in faith. And he woke up in hell and he was tormented. He just wanted one drop of water. There were people who speculated, why did he ask for just one drop of water? You know, when I get thirsty, I don't ask for a drop of water. I want a big gulp of water. I want to drink a lot of water. And I heard one preacher put it this way. He, he felt like he was asking for one drop of water because, he, because of something called hope. It would give him hope that there was a chance that he would be let out of that place. There is no hope for those who die and go to hell. The only chance that you have to get saved is here in this life. You've heard, you may have heard this said before that on a gravestone we'll have the date of birth and the date of your death. Or the year of birth and the year of the, your death. Your life is represented by that dash that's in the middle. Somewhere during that dash is when you get the chance to get saved. Nowhere in the Bible does it ever tell you that you will get a chance to get saved after you die. Now those who died in faith in the Old Testament, they didn't know that Jesus, you know, what, they didn't know his name, they didn't know the perfect plan of salvation in its entirety, it hadn't yet unfolded yet. I believe when Jesus died, he went to those spirits in prison, and he preached to those people who died in faith perfectly, and he led captivity captive and emptied out that little place that, that was called paradise or Abraham's bosom. I believe Jesus is telling this story how he allowed this to take place, to show us a little picture of what was was going on in eternity. The rich man died and he went to this place called hell. Hades. He was burning. He was in torment. He still had a memory there. He had eyes. The Bible said that he lifted up his eyes. He was still able to see. He still had a memory of who he was. He still remembered that he had a family. And even Abraham told him that he had good things in life. And the Lord allowed him to see over into that place in eternity, which was called Abraham's bosom or paradise. This was where Lazarus went because Lazarus died in faith. It was almost like the Lord allowed the, the, the chasm or that, that gap in between hell and Abraham's bosom or paradise to be like a piece of translucent glass to where uh, the rich man from this side was able to peer into what was going on on the other side. And he saw Lazarus over there and, and, and he started calling out to him. He said, Abraham, he, he knew who Father Abraham was. If you don't know who Father Abraham was, he's written about in Genesis chapter number 12. We used to sing a song about him in Sunday school. It was called Father Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. Some of you guys aren't, aren't, you, aren't you aren't amused in the least. I've talked about dogs, now I'm talking about Father Abraham. You are a tough crowd this morning. It's going to be okay. Those of you who don't have any fun in church, it's going to be okay. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them. According to Galatians chapter number 3, I am a spiritual child of Abraham if I am a child of faith. Abraham was the father of the Jewish people. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they were the patriarchs. Jacob then had 12 children, the 12 tribes of Israel. We're going to get a little bit more into Joseph's life. I believe he was number 11 of Jacob tonight at the 6 p.m. service. But what I'm talking to you about today is Abraham was the father of the Jews. You know why the rich man recognized him? Because he was religious. 
He may have even been a contemporary of Abraham. All I know is he recognized him. He recognized him as being someone who was spiritual. He was calling out to Abraham to have mercy upon him. Abraham couldn't show any mercy to the rich man as he was in hell. Abraham couldn't deliver him from hell. And Abraham, in this passage of Scripture, he said, just, he, he, he prayed, he said, please, just take Lazarus and, and let him dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for, I just want one drop of water. And he said, listen, I, there's a gulf between us. Nobody passes, there's no passage, not from one side to the other. You can't get from this side to this side in eternity. Once you're where you're going in eternity, that's where you stay. Now see, there's some other religions that'll tell you that when you die, you're going to go to some holding place. That you're going to go to some place and you'll, your family member on this side might be able to pray for you and get you out of that place. I want to tell you something. I've read this book from cover to cover. That's not in this book. You need to be careful about reading and believing things that men speak of. Now listen, I'm not trying to throw down on other religions. All I'm here to tell you is the truth. And the truth is the truth. When you die, you don't go to a holding place. You're either, going, you're either going to be absent from the body and present with the Lord, or you're going to be in the same place that the rich man was. And the only time you get delivered from that is when the judgment comes. And the Bible says that when that second judgment comes, or the second death comes, that all those who were lost, that death and hell will be cast into the lake of fire. Now listen, I don't say that with any pleasure. I don't want anybody to go to hell. And by the way, God doesn't want you to go to hell. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants you to get saved. Now, I want to say a couple of things before we move on this morning. Lazarus didn't go to heaven because he was poor or because he was sick. And the rich man didn't go to hell because he was rich. Lazarus went to that place because he had faith. We sang the song this morning about faith. Faith being the victory. Now, I want to say these things before we move on in the service. Just because you're poor doesn't mean you've got a seat in heaven. You don't go to heaven unless you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't go to... There is no salvation outside of Jesus Christ. By the way, it's a lot about what you believe. There are people who believe that there are many ways to go to heaven. You may be sitting here today and you think that there's multiple ways to go to heaven. I can tell you now, if that's what you believe, you're not saved. You, You have to believe that Christ is the only way for salvation. You're here in the book of Luke. Turn your Bible over to John chapter number 14. John chapter number 14. We won't tarry on today, but in John chapter number 14, the scripture says this. In John 14 and verse number 6, this is what Jesus said himself. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now listen, I believe in Jesus Christ and I believe in the words of Scripture. Jesus said, no one goes to heaven except he has me. Not religion, not baptism, not good works, not my daddy was a Christian, my mommy was a Christian, not because I did good things. No, Jesus said, you don't go to heaven except through me. I'm the only way to go to heaven. Jesus Christ isn't a way to go to heaven. He's the way. He's the only way. As the one preacher said, that he was the onlyest. There's no way to go to heaven except for Jesus. And you can't get saved unless you believe that personally. 
You have to personally have faith in Jesus Christ as the only way to go to heaven in order to go. Now, I believe that Lazarus died in faith. Lazarus died in faith in the coming of Messiah. That someone was going to come and pay for his sins. He didn't think that he was going to go to heaven for his own righteousness. But I want to tell you something. Life can be awful hard sometimes. This week... I went to a funeral and there were hundreds and hundreds of people there for a AAA tow truck driver who was killed. The son of a deacon and a deacon's wife. Faithful servants in church. I went to church there for several years and served at church camp with this family. This was a good family. This is a family who's faithful to church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, times of service. This family was involved in grief share. Just five years ago, Their oldest son, Kevin, died of a brain tumor at the age of 39. 39 years old. And you know what this family did? This family joined a ministry at church called Grief Share. You know what they're trying to do? They're trying to show people that through God, through Christ, that they can can receive comfort through grief. They're trying to use their pain as as a means to minister to somebody else. A few years ago, my good friend, maybe one day we'll, we'll be able to have him down here to the Metropolitan Baptist Church named Bill Prater. Bill Prater was the pastor at the Fellowship Baptist Church in Liberal, Kansas. His son named TJ, who was in his 30s, had a truck that he was working on. He was working on the truck and it, it must have slipped off the jack or something happened and the, the, the truck rolled over top of him as he was working on it. Killed him instantly. This is a pastor and a pastor's wife. Servants of the Lord. People who are going around the country preaching for the Lord. These aren't people who are out living in the world. They weren't going out and and living it up and living the high life. They're they're servants of the Lord. There are people just like my friend Ed Drinkwine who was faithful to church and loved the Lord. He came off of the church bus route. And Ed wasn't the, the smartest or the sharpest guy. But I want to tell you something that Ed had. Ed had love in his heart for people in the Lord's house. And, 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 and he came up with that cancer. And, and, and when he come to church, he didn't quit coming to church. He kept believing in the Lord. And he took those things to his dying day. All, what you say, what are you trying to say, Pastor? I'm telling you, there are people in this world, even right now, there are people in this church going through immeasurable pain and going through things where, where their bodies are breaking down. And maybe your body is full of sores. Maybe you're going through some time like Lazarus was going through, where you don't have your strength and people have to help you get up. You don't have the strength that you had anymore. But I'm here to tell you that there's coming a day. There's coming a day when the Lord's going to say, it's your great getting up morning and you're not going to suffer another day in your life. You look at this Bible here and you see what it said about Lazarus. You see how he said that God had good things prepared for him. Lazarus received comfort. Lazarus received that cold drink of water. Lazarus was sitting in the bosom of Abraham and he was in perfect bliss and perfect rest. This is the kind of thing that God has in store for those that love him my friend the world is a terrible place sometimes this world is a place that's full of abuse this world is full of a place of injustice how many times can we even turn on the news anymore without hearing that somebody got killed another mass shooting Somebody else went into a, a school to shoot little kids. I want to, I'm here to tell you, I don't care what any person in the news media says about any. You are a wicked soul to go into a school and shoot anybody. There are people who've gotten shot in church. This is one of the reasons that our church has armed security. Because we, we take security serious around here. We want our congregants to be safe. 
There's something going on in this country. You know what's going on in this country? It's called Satan. It's called the devil. And he's sowing his seeds of of hatred and he's getting people to believe, hey, the best way for me to show myself and show out is that I could go out in a a flame of fire like that. I want to tell you something. If you've got evil like that going in your heart, you have a place and a hot place in hell that you're heading to. Listen, these people going here shooting up these little kids at school, they don't go to heaven when they die. Adolf Hitler didn't go to heaven for killing all those Jews. We, we live in a culture where these kind of things seem to hit people. And Wait a second. Do you really believe that people who are murderers and who are just taking other people's lives, you know, they just kill anybody they want, that they go to heaven? That's not what the Bible says. First Corinthians chapter number 6 says it this way. Now, I'm not preaching hate now. I don't, I'm not hating people. I want to tell you something. There's some people, they're fast on their way to this place called hell. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, it says this in verse number 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. This is one of the times in the Bible where it says, don't be deceived. There's another one in Galatians chapter number 6. It says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Don't be deceived. You don't get away with sin. Don't be deceived. These kind of people don't inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians 6 and 9. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. The Bible's basically saying, don't be deceived. If this is the way you live, you're not on your way to heaven. I'm trying to be your friend, sir. If you're sin sick, you need to get saved by the grace of God. And the verse number 11 says, and such were some of you. God saves people who are involved in those behaviors. <laughs> Aren't you thankful that God saves sinners? Sometimes God saves a fornicator. God saves idolaters. God saves adulterers. God saves you. God can save you. God saves the effeminate, abusers of themselves with mankind. This is dealing with the sins of homosexuality, and that's exactly what it's calling out in these verses. Verse number 10, everybody knows what a thief is. Thieves aren't on their way to heaven. Covetous aren't on their way to heaven. Drunkards aren't on their way to heaven. The Bible says these people are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Listen, this rich man, whatever his sin was, whatever it was, I don't know all that was on his heart and on his mind, but I know this. He did not die in faith. And when he died, the Bible says that he lifted up his eyes in hell. Luke chapter number 16. We'll close in the next moment here. Luke chapter 16. As we covered these things this week, Went to this funeral, saw hundreds of people gather for my friend, a man who I worshiped the Lord with, prayed with, served with. This world can be a hard place. Sitting before me today, there are people who are widows and widowers, people who've lost their spouse, the love of their life. Some people, like my friends, the Skaggs family, they've lost children. We've known a great many ladies in, the, in this generation who've had stillborn babies and miscarriages by the scores. And, and the world can be an awfully hard place. The world can be a very ugly place.
This world is full of people who sometimes they look at other people who they can use, who they can abuse. This world is full of abuse. Unspeakable abuse that has gone on in the world today. Sometimes people are taken advantage of in such a way to where they live with the effect of abuse for their entire life. Sitting before us today, we have absolutely no idea of people who've been, who've been touched with these kind of issues. Abuse in a family, whether it be physical, emotional, or even moral abuse. Many times people are going through things that we cannot see. And sometimes this world is such a dark and a horrible place. To Lazarus, during these days when the only friends he had were dogs that were coming and licking his sores, I want to tell you something. For every Lazarus who's going through a time like that, God's going to bring their suffering to an end. If you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and you've been saved by the grace of God, there is coming a day when no heartache shall come. Just as the songwriter said, there'll be no sorrow there. There'll be no burdens to bear. There'll be no more sickness and pain. We know of a friend right now, a missionary who's got cancer. He's coming to the Dallas area. He's one of our missionaries, Brother Jeff Lang. We pray for him and we pray for his healing. We pray for the people in our church who are going through untold afflictions. Many people are suffering physically today. I just want to, I want to tell you today, you know, uh, every person who is sick is not going to be healed. Some of those sicknesses, some of those illnesses are going to lead to somebody taking their last breath. But when a Christian dies, when a Christian takes their last breath, death is swallowed up in victory. You know, the Bible says this in the book of Psalm in the 116th chapter. It says this, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. And a week ago Friday, my friend Keith went out in that tow truck. And all he was trying to do was help somebody. girl had a flat tire. That's all he was trying to do. He found purpose in that and serving other people. Numerous stories have been told this week about this man who would just pull over and try to help people. He just, this was what he wanted to do. This was his life. And he didn't know when he went out at 9.30 in the evening, a week ago Friday, that it was his great getting up morning. He went quickly. He went without suffering. There's a lot of suffering that's taking place afterwards. I walked by the casket. They put him back together all right. But you know where Keith is today? He's up in heaven with Jesus and he's with his brother Kevin and with all the people who've died in Christ before. There's coming a day when the Lord's going to take all that suffering away. This world is full of suffering and tribulation. But if you want to have the victory over all the suffering, physical ailments and all this sin, all of that, you have to be saved by the grace of God. Can I ask you a question? When did you trust Christ as your Savior? Say, well, I've always been saved. No, the Bible makes it clear that you're not always saved. You're born in sin. You have to come to a place in time in your life when you recognize that you're a sin sinner and that if you died, you would not go to heaven. None of us deserve to go because we're sinners. We're apart from the Lord. But through Jesus Christ, God gave us His Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave Jesus so that you could be saved. Jesus, when He died on the cross, do you realize that He paid for every sin that was ever committed? Every dirty thought? 
Every act, every sinful act, everything that you've ever done that was apart from God, every sinful thing that you've ever done, whether it be disobeying your parents or whether some wicked thing that only you and God know about. Listen, Jesus died for all sin and every sin was paid for. When Jesus said, it is finished, he said, I paid for everything. If you're here lost today, you realize what a shame that is? You realize what a shame it is that Jesus shed his blood for all your sin, but it's never been applied to your account because you've never come to Christ and believed. Young to old, it doesn't matter if you're in your 80s and you've never been saved, you need to get saved before it's too late. It doesn't matter if you're a young child. I believe that the Lord can save any child who understands the difference between right and wrong. I believe that when a child is sorry for the the sins that they committed and they know that Jesus Christ suffered and died for them, Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me. Don't hold the children from Jesus. Little children can get saved. The Lord started working on me when I was about seven years old. That's when I, I, you know, we, we can argue about what the age of accountability is. Listen, it's probably different for every person. The Lord knows exactly where it is when you start understanding the difference between right and wrong. And when you become accountable to the Lord. Here's the issue though. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Listen, if you've attended the Metropolitan Baptist Church this morning, there's one thing I want you to know. Jesus Christ loves you. And he loved you enough, no matter what you've done, no matter what sins you've committed. You, you may have found yourself in 1 Corinthians 6 and 9. Pastor, you read those verses and I've committed some of those sins. I've done some. Jesus died for you. Jesus died for your sins, according to the scriptures. And if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, he promises to forgive you. He says, he says, come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The Bible says in the book of John in the sixth chapter, that him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. There's never been a repentant sinner who's come to the Lord Jesus and wanting forgiveness of sins, that the Lord says, no, I will not forgive you. If you come to the Lord in faith, he promises to forgive you. That is a promise in scripture that if you come to the Lord and believe, salvation is not asking. Salvation is believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I believe you died for me and I believe that you're going to save me because you said you saved me. I remember hearing a pastor one time, he went down to the altar, he said, Lord, he said, I bring myself down to you. I'm trusting you to save me. And he says, I, it doesn't matter what happens after this. If I, if I die and go to hell, I'm going to die and go trust in you. Now, I don't think that was exactly the sinner's prayer. But I want to tell you something. You can't get saved unless you trust Jesus to save you. Salvation isn't, Lord, will you save me? Salvation is, Lord, I'm trusting you to save me. You have to take the Lord at his word. If you're here today and you're trusting in your good works, it won't get you to heaven. If you're trusting in your baptism, it won't get you to heaven. If you're trusting in your church affiliation, your church membership, even if you're Baptist, your name could be on the Baptist church roll here at Metropolitan Baptist, and you may not be in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's a whole lot more important that the Lord knows your name than you saying that you know. That, that, that you know. And the Bible says, the foundation of the Lord stand assured. The Lord knoweth them that are His. Listen, would you come to the Lord today? If you know that you're lost, nothing else needs to be said. You just need to come. I want to be saved. Nobody ever got saved who didn't submit to the Lord.
Would you come to the Lord today? Would you submit to Him? You know, there's a lot of people, and I know I've gone on a little bit. Some people won't get saved. You know why? They're too proud to admit that they're lost. What will the person in the next pew think about me if I go forward and get saved? I want to tell you something. There's going to be a lot of people who wake up in hell. And they're going to have memories about sitting in a church service where the Lord started knocking on their heart and showing them that they were lost. But because of what other people would think about them, they chose not not to come and get saved. I want to tell you something today. You need to chunk that to the door. When you get saved, it shouldn't matter what anybody else says about you. And don't you for, for one second believe the lie of the devil. I remember the day that I got saved, I had thoughts going through my mind thinking, what will people think about me? I've gone down there before. I've got baptized before. What will people think about me if I go and get saved? I want to tell you something. There's going to be people rejoicing when you get saved in this place. And not only that, the Bible says the angels rejoice when somebody gets saved. Suffering is real in this life, but there's going to be an end to suffering. There was an end for Lazarus. There'll be an end for the stuff that you're going through as well. Even as a Christian today, you should be able to take comfort in the fact that one day God's going to wipe these tears away. When this life is over, you're not going to be suffering. You're going to be with the Lord. If you're lost today, I want to invite you to get saved. There's somebody in here, I'm sure of it, maybe more than one. You've never been saved. And God's reaching out to you, and he wants you to be saved. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. As we prepare for this verse of invitation, maybe God spoke to your heart today. You know what's needed for people to get saved? Holy Spirit conviction. You know when God starts burning something in your heart, that truth? What he's doing is he's saying, this is real. You need to listen. You know, that's God showing His mercy to you. There may be somebody in here today and you've heard the gospel many times. God's going after your soul one more time. If you're a child of God, you should be praying right now for someone who's lost. Young people, this is real. Scriptures are real. Heaven is real. Hell is real. You need to be saved before it's too late. Middle-aged person, older person. As Brother Earl sings, I'm going to invite you to come, just as I am, without one plea.
not looking around as the pianist plays. Maybe God's working on your heart today. Could be somebody here you don't know the Lord. And no one's looking around. Is there somebody here today say, Pastor, I'm not ready to come forward for salvation, but I know I'm lost. Would you pray for me? Nobody looking around. It includes you young people. Bow your head, close your eyes. Anybody say, Pastor, I'm not saved. Would you pray for me? Anyone at all? Just lift your hand and slip it right back down. I'm looking. Anyone? Pastor, I'm not saved. I don't know the Lord. I need to be saved. I'm praying for this congregation. And the good Lord will work mightily in the hearts and lives of those who've heard the gospel. It takes the Lord to open hearts. I can't do it, but I know the Lord can. He did it for me. He'll do it for you. So if you couldn't raise your hand that you're, you're lost, it must mean that you're saved. It means you, gotta have a place, you need to have a place of service. But you love the Lord. You want to serve the Lord with your life. I pray that you'll find a place of service, that you'll have a heart just like this rich man who wanted his family to go to heaven. He said, I don't want them to come to this place of torment. God's working in your heart. We're going to sing this one other verse. If no one else comes, we're going to close. Brother Earl, let's sing the next verse. people said amen Amen. you know one day we're going to get a chance to meet that Lazarus up there and you know what God took all of his pains away he's not going to have no more sores in heaven and he's not going to be hungry in heaven just wanting some crumbs that fell off a table Uh, he's going to be fed by the Lord Jesus Christ himself as we sit around that table I think we sing a song called brethren we've met to worship and one of the verses of that song talks about the Lord's setting the table before us. How many of you are looking forward to Sunday dinner today? You're looking forward to dinner. Amen. Amen. What are you going to be eating this afternoon? Who's, eat, who's eating steak? All right. Got a couple. Who's eating chicken? All right. All right. Chicken. That's a Baptist bird. It's okay. We can put that in the ministry. How about tacos? Who's eating tacos? Come on, Brother Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> He's eating chicken too. Well, I have fish. Somebody's eating fish. Thank the Lord. It's a, you've got a good turnout today. We want to say thank you for coming out to the Metropolitan Baptist Church. We pray that you've been blessed by being here today. And uh, we, we are so thankful that you chose to come. We have evening services tonight at 6 o'clock. We've been dealing with some subjects on Sunday mornings, uh, Sunday mornings about forgiveness. And we're dealing with the person of Joseph again this evening. We're going to talk about a, a facet of his life, of this forgiveness, how he displayed that to his brothers. 
who did some terrible, terrible things to him. And we're going to look at a couple of the aspects of Joseph and his forgiveness tonight. Maybe you've been hurt by a family member. Uh, Maybe you've been hurt in life. And uh, I just want to encourage you, try to come back tonight. We'll be given some scriptural uh, truths about overcoming those hurts and even getting to that place where you can be fully forgiving and actually being a blessing sometimes to even those who have hurt you the most. All right, we're going to bow for a word of dismissal prayer. Brother Drew, can I call on you to dismiss the service in prayer, please? We thank you this day for just waking us up this morning, giving us another chance to do what you would have us, to redeem what you would have us. Lord, we love you with all of our hearts and our hearts. We're now we thank you for your word. Without your word, we can't do We need to be more like you today, Lord. We ask you to go with us as we go our separate ways. Bless us, Lord. Bring us back at the appointed time. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we thank you.